1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Thanks again, everyone, for tuning in. The Focus Hunting Podcast is part of the Waypoint Outdoor Collective. For more information on Waypoint, head on over to waypointtv.com. Well, this sucks. <laughs> yeah i get that man for sure cool yeah. man but uh, anyway thanks for joining me today no problem thanks for having me on man yeah you know it's uh i uh i was out hunting yesterday and uh i was hoping to uh catch uh you know it when do these podcasts the nice thing about podcasts now is you can you know you can just listen to so many other podcasts and you can you can get a little bit of dirt on on some people so i uh I was started listening to that one that uh, you and Ty did from uh, Wilderness Locals, but uh, unfortunately, it didn't download in time, and uh, uh, I didn't get uh, didn't get to listen to the whole thing. I only got to about where you guys were talking about that archery shoot you're going to do, which is uh, maybe we can get into that a little later. Yeah, definitely. So uh, maybe you could just start us off with a little bit of your story, you know, kind of, uh, you know, who you are and and uh, and what you got going on, that sort of thing. Well, my, my name's uh, Tanner Danish. Uh, we live now in Prince George uh, here in northern BC. Um, I grew up, well, originally I was uh, I was born in Edmonton, but we grew up up in Norton Wells, uh, up in the North of Territories. So my mom and dad had been up there for about 20 years, 25 years, and then uh, I spent kind of the beginning of my life there before we moved down to a farm in 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 uh, Dawson Creek, and basically just grew up kind of you know pretty pretty rustic lifestyle lifestyle around Dawson Creek. Like my mom was a bush plane pilot, so we spent lots of time flying around to different lakes and and remote spots around around all over northern BC, Northwest Territories, Yukon, and and kind of had the ideal ideal lifestyle as a outdoor person <laughs> growing up. Yeah, uh, no doubt grew up hunting and fishing and more on the hunting side but now uh now we're in prince george and i i'm the owner of frontiers and gear we're a, we're a knife making company we make handmade and custom knives here in in uh, north bc and kind of service well all, all around the world now but we uh we specialize in kind of ultralight knives and really high-end leather leather gear and high-end knives cool man so northwest territories that's uh that's something else up there. I've, uh, I've, I've been to the Yukon. I've never been to the Northwest Territories. I'm assuming it's not, it's not that much different. No, it, it, it's not too much different like that. Uh, it's such a big province, kind of like BC, where there's a lot, you'll see a lot of different terrain throughout the whole province, kind of the same way you would in BC. Um, 
it's it's amazing though man like i mean it's everything from from the heavy winters like you know minus 50 and and uh the the massive periods of time when there's there's no light where it's just straight <laughs> darkness and then that's what I, that's what i was gonna ask you you know i i i got a buddy that lives in the yukon and he just moved there from he just moved there from uh the east coast of canada and he said that's one thing he's gonna have to get used to is just the the long periods of of darkness so what so like what are we talking here like days of darkness it, it depends where you are in the province um i know there's some spots in the northern province that are like up to a week um wow. and then i mean it, if i do recall right there are like some far like as far as you can get north it can get like large blocks a couple weeks um where where we were at was um depends where we were staying for the winter but it could be you know five days seven days all dark whatever it is um but i mean even when the light does come back it's uh you gotta think the sun is kind of it's still not like it's coming up it's not like it's on fast forward where it's coming up really fast it's just yeah, yeah. <laughs> coming coming over the horizon so like the whole sky will go like pink like it's a sunrise so your only daylight is basically like a long sunrise and then it'll do that for a long time where it's like making these slow loops across the horizon and they'll be like like kind of getting into uh getting into the spring you'll see it where like this the sun is just kind of skirting the entire horizon it's like a, a sunrise all day long so it's um it's pretty cool man it's just a different lifestyle like i mean it's it's uh if people want to get back to their roots and kind of understand how humans used to live that's definitely the closest place i think you can do that in north america yeah i think uh, more people need to do that toughen them up a little bit <laughs> i think so man i think it just brings perspective into everything like i mean um we get so caught into like you know the nine to five and yeah you know you have to work this time and then like weekends are the only time you can take time off and like it's just like this we've got like schedules that are just like built into us now and you go up there and it just it's out the window right like i mean you, oh yeah. yeah 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 and yeah i mean you know that's just it we're just you know prisoners of routine basically you know um definitely yeah i mean i i've got my own business and you know um, three kids and you know we we live that lifestyle we try to i try to get us out of that as much as we can you know by getting you know i love to get my kids out get get the whole family out in the back country doing you know doing stuff like that yeah but, and that's uh, what it's all about yeah, definitely. So your mom was a bush plane pilot. You get to uh, tag along with her ever? Uh, qu quite a bit, like as much as we could. Um, she never had a plane for herself. So, I mean, uh, oh, yeah. she had a boyfriend that she was with for a long time that had a Cessna 185. And and uh, we ripped around in that thing a lot. It's it's fun. <laughs> like, I mean, you want to talk about accessibility and stuff like that. Now, looking back on it, like, freaking if we get a guy that available now wanting to go hunting and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. How cool would yeah, that be? No doubt. Yeah. It almost made, like, I actually thought about a couple of years ago. I was like, man, I should get my bush plane pilot. Or, like, I should, I should get my pilot's license for just, like, a, a single prop. And I was like, yeah, ah, just, just for I, hunting. It, it might end up being cheaper in the long run than, <laughs> you know. <laughs> all depends how many uh, how many backcountry adventures you get to go out and do. Well, um, exactly, yeah. Save, save on that. Uh, well, I was going to say save on fuel, but that's a freaking lie. Well, you know, that. and it's funny. It's almost, it's almost, yeah. Like when you boil it down, like 
you start breaking down these costs of like driving up north or you know driving to the rocky mountains to do these these trips and man by the time you you know with fuel and everything you're like man it might as well just flew you know what i mean like it's uh yeah the cost just they sure can add up definitely like i mean even a guy doesn't think about that when they look at like you know uh an outfitting bill for let's say like whatever a caribou right let's say yeah whatever ten thousand dollars just make it an even number like a guy can eat that up exactly like oh, you yeah. said in like fuel cost your time off everything else like that yeah. and you're like man ten thousand bucks isn't far off like no exactly and you know that's one thing i tell some people um when they say man this is crazy how can you charge you know ten twelve thousand dollars for a hunt and you're like well you know if you start breaking that down you add up okay like your first trip you're mostly just going you're just going sightseeing right you know what i mean like if you're going to yeah. an area that you never you've never been you're just going to blind you're looking at topo maps you can be like hey i'm gonna go hunt caribou i'm gonna go hunt them right here and put your finger on a map you're basically just going sightseeing for the first year maybe the first two years you know and if you're talking like a sheep hunt man that could be eight years um so you know you start breaking down all the costs of of getting in there and time off work is you know that's a big one if you start thinking you know you're taking 10 days off work what's what's that cost you you know what i mean so yeah, yeah. absolutely yeah but i mean you know uh with an old fighter it's never it's never a guarantee but uh i mean they're it's pretty damn pretty damn good but uh yeah crazy so how did you get into uh well actually what was it like like hunting up there man you must have been you must have seen it all by the time you left there uh so i actually i never hunted up there i was too young when i was up there and any time that i've went back because i've never hunted when i was there um but like i i grew up uh, we were pretty lucky. My mom worked for uh, Stan Stevens with McKenzie Mountain Outfitters. They're like family friends. So right. uh, I, I grew up in their, in their base camp. So cool. like my first steps were on the McKenzie mountains up in an oh, Alpine, Alpine nice Ridge. Oh yeah, exactly. Right. So, I mean, I grew up seeing that lifestyle and being around it. And I mean, it's, it's so cool. I mean, the, the high end guiding industry is interesting uh, when you really break down what it is right but I think it's no different than anything else you're gonna have good cats and bad cats in it mm -hmm. you're gonna have kind of you know weird clients and and awesome clients so the the hunting side of it yeah you want to talk about uh, you want to talk about like prime prime hunting prime animals prime you know it's just amazing yeah, I, I grew up around 400 inch caribou and you know 160 inch dolls and that kind of stuff wow. or just like the normal everyday occurrence out there. Yeah. That's cool. The day to day. Wow. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I, I feel damn lucky about how I grew up for sure. Yeah. So then you, you guys, you moved to Dawson, you said. Yeah. I moved to Dawson and then um, they, they bought a farm there. They bought a farm there and then pretty quickly realized that the only key thing keeping my parents together was the North and the struggle of the North. So they, oh, yeah. uh, they parted ways and and we grew up on the farm there with my mom and and it was a really good lifestyle also like i mean nothing you know it was different but it was still nothing changed in the idea of like we came out of the north and we still tried to treat it the same way where we're mm -hmm. we were out adventuring and and then 
Well, when it's was... funny because it, the Dawson is still north. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like... <laughs> oh, yeah. Even even now, I think it's like far south, right? Like, I mean, it's <laughs> it's below the midway point of our country, right? So... Yeah. Well, like, see, for me, I, I live in, I was born in Kelowna. I, uh, I live here now, but I, I grew up on the coast, Prince Rupert, not far from Prince George. So, um, you know, and I think that of that being up north now. Um, so, but, you know, Dawson, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's way up north. Uh, yeah so it's um it's good like we spent lots of time growing up uh like trying to trap and and just all the shit that kids do right so yeah uh you know shooting squirrels and and then slowly work our way up to the bigger critters that uh that we have so many opportunities out here in bc yeah oh man we got so much we're, we're pretty blessed but you know that's one thing i you know i miss i mean you know what it mean like like you just said when you're like we grew up up on the coast and you know i had a fishing rod in the off the dock when i was you know four or five years old and we were always outside we we're shooting squirrels we we're you know we we're pissing around on boats we we're we we're always doing something and that's one thing i miss you know with my kids i look at them and like clone has grown so fast and it's it's so busy down here that you know you try to do what you can but um it's just a different lifestyle definitely yeah, yeah. it is and i mean it's, it's such a balance between it's a hard point we're kind of at now where a guy has to balance like, okay, do I want to be super busy with work and be successful? Because I mean, you kind of have to be to freaking survive nowadays. And it's like, yeah, so you going to do that or. Yeah. yeah it, you yeah. know, and, and unfortunately it's, it's one of those things. It's always seems to be with business, especially when you're a business owner, it always, it's just, it's like feast or famine. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. It's, it's definitely a juggling act. You try to, you try to, you know, conserve some of that energy for other things but sometimes man it sure is tough for sure <laughs> yeah just balancing it is is a shit show sometimes yeah yeah no doubt so uh what did you do after the farm so um after the farm i i dropped out of school when i was like grade 10 i guess and then went oh, straight yeah. into the oil field and searched about as far as i made it too so <laughs> yeah that's good it's um <laughs> It's an interesting way to do it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's one of those things. I mean, I did it. I went, I went right into you know, and again, there's lots of industry in uh, up there on the coast. There's fishing and and logging. So, I mean, you had the opportunity. And back in though, it was this was a while ago, right? I'm 43, so I mean, this was you know, 25, 26, 27 years ago. So, um, it was a lot different than it is now i mean it's definitely not going to be something i recommend my kids dropping out of gear they're you know they're gonna finish definitely so. yeah, yeah um yeah so i dropped out whatever grade 10 and then joined the got in the or got in the oil field and and started chasing rigs around and then basically grabbed my crane ticket through that like i didn't even have a high school education i had a crane ticket um moving rigs and chasing that kind of stuff around and then just got quickly got tired of um never having time to do anything outside of that right so i mean it was like when they wanted you it was beck and call and it doesn't matter if it's 1 a.m and you just got home from another job you gotta gotta roll out to the next rig move or whatever it is so it kind of ruined it ruined uh two hunting seasons and then i was kind of like oh you know <laughs> i gotta i gotta find something else and right around that time um i i started seeing like you know they were doing a big push for enrollment in the army so i I joined the military as an infantry and and cool. went through that went through that route and 
did my uh, did my time there and when I got out I basically just wanted to make some big changes and and wasn't going to go back to the oil field or anything else so um kind of just started looking for other jobs found a found a job in uh, Grand Prairie uh northern Alberta there it was kind of just like a shop job and did that for a bit and then I just kind of lost man went went out to Kamloops and then we moved on to Kamloops to try and get my my girlfriend into the nursing program down there and same thing I just like bounced around construction jobs worked on the railroad like for CN and kind of did a whole bunch of stuff and just I was like a lost puppy I didn't know what I was doing right so it it just fell into my lap this knife making thing and kind of yeah I just I just uh, got got obsessed with it really quickly and got got obsessed with creating something and creating my own business and then I see you know it's it's here where it's more than full time. Yeah. Did you jump into it right away? Like just, just dove right into it or did, was it something where you had, you worked part-time and you kind of just did it, you know, tinkering around in your shop or did you just go just dive right into it? I, so I did my, I, I convinced this guy to do an apprenticeship under or to give me an apprenticeship. And this apprenticeship was about eight months that I did that. So Eight months every weekend, I was driving from Kamloops out to Ashcroft to learn how to make knives. What's and that? Then, what the, what's that apprenticeship? Is that like blacksmith or? Uh, no, it was just a program that he kind of came up with on his own. Like I mean, oh, he, I see. Yeah, he was never certified or anything like that, and and but he wasn't. He made it really clear at the beginning. Well, a he didn't even want to do this. <laughs> I convinced him over a bottle of whiskey to, uh, to do yeah. it for me. Yeah. Um, and then it works. <laughs> it works yeah it's um so then he kind of just said well if i'm going to put my name on you because the knife making industry is really um there's there's not a lot of guys that are doing it well that just come out of nowhere like you always kind of get mentored under somebody else so mm-hmm. wh- whoever uh whoever you hold that kind of you know lineage from is kind of a pretty big deal in the knife making industry so um Ken was like, well, if I'm going to put my name on you, it's going to be, it's going to be hard. I'm not going to make it easy on you. I was like, okay, sure. So eight months later of learning everything from, yeah. So like start with the blacksmithing side and move through to literally where he's like, okay, well, if you can't buy your own material, you're going to have to learn how to like turn pins on the lathe and all this other bullshit. Right. Which you never will have to do as a knife maker. But of course, same as like, you know, like anything else learning to do math on a piece of paper when we have calculators right so yeah well i mean it you know it's one of those things it's it's you know it's maybe it's a tool that you never know but or you never use but it it's it's nice to know definitely so i did that and then basically i was part-time uh, i was still working at the on the railroad at the time and so i was just kind of doing knife making on like weekends or whenever i whenever i had days off and then um when we moved up here to prince george kennedy got uh, accepted into the schooling up here after a couple of years on Kamloops with no luck. And so we moved up here and then that's when my business was at a point now where it was like, okay, I was like, okay, I could actually take off a few days a week and, and be, mm-hmm. you know, fill that time with knife making. And, and it was as soon as I committed more time of my week, like scheduling. So basically I started as a constru- on a construction company up here doing like three days a week. Um, so I do like three, 14 days or 14 hour days, to like make up for those 40 hours. Um, and then on like a Thursday, Friday, so basically Thursday, Friday, Saturday, I would make knives. And as soon as I started committing more time to it is when it kind of just like took off and blew up. And then it was, it was like February 
end of February, beginning of March of uh, 2019 before COVID hit that I was like, oh yeah, I was like, okay, I had a business plan laid out everything. I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this myself. And so put my notice in at work and, and started doing this full time for myself. And then COVID came in with a sling fucking hammer. Yeah. Um, Were you nervous and- when, uh, when COVID, when you first heard about it? Like thinking, Definitely, oh, like, man, I, man oh. I, I know I just, I just quit my job or you know, <laughs> oh, I, I yeah. committed to doing this full time. And then all this uncertainty hits. Right. And I mean, nobody knew. Right. And I mean, you know, the government was saying, oh, we need, we need two weeks here to bend the curve. And I mean, that was almost two years ago. So, um, yeah, definitely. Well, I mean, you know, I, I think at the beginning, we didn't know what the hell was going to happen. Right. Like, I mean, the way they were talking, it was like, I was getting prepped to like legit go into the bush. Cause I was like, okay, well, like, this might be like shit might be going down here. Yeah. <laughs> and so, uh, so when we quickly realized that it wasn't that it was, um, uh, you know, I, I still do some po- post post-military stuff with the government and stuff like that. So I was still kind of, that stuff kind of ramped up a little bit, but so I was always busy, but the knife making it, it, it blew up with COVID. Like there was a lot of people that didn't have money before that had money due to CERB and, and these uh, benefit programs and everything else like that. So I, I had people that never normally would have been clients reaching out about, you know, spend a lot of money on knives. So it was good for me. Yeah. Well, and it's funny, I, you know, um, some industries, it just was like, you know, it, it was just, it, they just went, they went crazy. You know, I, I remember mm-hmm. I talked to Kevin from Seek Outside and he was, he said the same thing. He had so much uncertainty and they weren't sure what to do. And then all of a sudden, you know, everything's just started flying off the shelf and they were so busy. And then they run, then they ran into um, the trouble of getting material. And definitely. And I mean, that's what we're seeing now more than anything, like in the last four months, the way that the, the, um, you know, material lines and everything like that is falling apart in this last, I'm noticing it now that we're supposed to be ramping back up. Now we're seeing the problem more than before. Like, I mean, you can't find steel now. You can't find like so many other parts. Shipping is just a nightmare. Like it's, it's pretty crazy, man. It's um, yeah. Don't have to get down this rabbit hole too much, I guess. It's uh, um, yeah, it's uh, it's a challenge for sure, man. Definitely. And I think like, especially in the outdoor industry, like the equipment gear side, like there's been a massive push, though. I, th- I think the best part of this is there's been this massive push now where they were seeing this giant supply chain issue where we're like, OK, let's support like the small mom and pop shops or like, let's mm-hmm. I know a lot of people that have started businesses supplying stuff that was normally always made in in. Um, overseas or china or philippines or where else right so i think that's that part it's good like it's almost starting the second industrial revolution where we're realizing okay like the small businesses can get rolling it's tough to do but like um this the want is there for to see that canadian flag on a piece of product Mm -hmm. or that american flag on a piece of product and it's it's a positive in the long run i think i think uh we can look at it like a good reset. I think you look at stuff negatively or positively regardless. And uh, yeah, yeah, it's um, I know for us, like it's really, it's really opened my eyes to be like, okay, this steel, like, can I get like, is there a factory making equivalent stainless steels 
here in Canada or the U S right. Okay. What is it? Let's test some of it. Let's try and do mm-hmm. that. So the next time, uh, cause there will be a next time, next time something happens. I know I can phone, you know, Bobby Joe down at, down at this factory and get steel directly up to me and not have to worry about what's going on overseas. Yeah. And, well, and it's like you said too, man, you know, there's something to be said about buying stuff that's made in Canada. You know, if there's something, even if I don't need it, if it says, you know, made in Canada, you know, there's a good chance I'm going to buy it. Um, yeah, it's just, it, it's, it's nice to see that hopefully, like you said, hopefully we can, you know, with all the resources we have in this country, hopefully we can, uh, um, we can, uh, we can get to that where we're just buying, you know, Canadian made products, everything's made in house. Um, I'm back to, like you said that, uh, you know, a new in- industrial revolution, but um, I mean, you know, it's hard to convince to people, you know, Hey, you're going to have to pay a little bit more for it, but you know, um, that money's staying here. It's, you know, it's staying in this country. It's you're helping, like you said, you know, local businesses, mom and pop shops. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. And, but I think also like, I mean, it, in the general sense of the sense of it, uh, I try and explain to people also though, that you're actually, you're, you're not it's not cost you any more. What you're doing is you're prepaying for this right. product for in the long term, right? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, if you buy our knives, like there's no bullshit around it. Like our knives are, they're competitive with our market, but they're still higher end compared to like a knife at Canadian Tire or something, right? Mm-hmm. But you won't have to buy another knife. So it's like, okay, it's not costing you more. You're just prepaying for the rest of your lifetime using this knife. Yeah. So it's, um, I don't know. And, and I, I see it also in like clothing or any gear or anything like that. Like if you can buy high end leather stuff and it's going to last you the rest of your life, it's going to be twice the cost, but it's going to last you the rest of your life. Well, yeah, exactly. And it's, you know, it's, it's cheaper in the long run. Um, but you know, um, some people just have a hard time, you know, seeing the forest for the trees. So, um, <laughs> definitely so, so tell definitely, me a little yeah. bit of uh about the process of of these knives uh um how, how do you make them so we've got um we've got kind of two separate lines that we roll on our uh for all of our knives like we've got a semi-production side which is our mountain series blades our ultralights um and then we've got a new line coming out closer called the ridge lines here they'll be dropped in the next couple months they're like a semi-production style so the the shape is is actually water jet cut out of flat stock and then we um we basically to just remove the bulk amount of material make sure they all look you know very similar there's no mm-hmm. big changes anything like that and then we work that shape down from there just because water jet doesn't mean we don't you know we don't do anything do we still shape everything and every everything like that and then they basically get put out in large drops to do uh you have a couple customization options on it but it's not like fully in depth the side that really shines for me is the custom custom side which is going to be uh it's going to depend what material we're using for rocking stainless steel which is like what i recommend to almost everybody i do almost no forging now so it's coming straight off flat stock i I know that material is good there's going to be no fissure stress stress cracks any bad welds anything like that on it so uh basically it starts with a sketch I, I, ch- I chat with whatever customer rolls in or wants to get rolling on the 
on the books for a knife and then basically start with a sketch. We work out everything from blade diameters to thicknesses. I, I figure out what they're going to use it for. A long list of questions that I go through to make sure that you're getting a product perfect for what you want. And then basically uh, that it goes from a sketch onto steel. I sketch it, I just directly sketch it onto steel then start working it out of that steel with like uh, a grinder. Um, and then once I get the rough shape, it goes off to like kind of there's like primer grinds that get set on it, drill some holes, send it off to heat treat. We don't have heat treating in house yet. That's we're working on that. We have to open a new shop in the next couple months and we're going to have our own heat treating in house. Finally, it's a long process for seeing the steels. Just what, is, what does that it. do? The heat treating? Does it just make the it heat- stronger? Yeah. So basically what we're working with is a, is a soft steel. So it's really easy to grind. It doesn't oh, like yeah. no, none of the fancy spark. Yeah. Gotcha. yeah. None of the fancy sparks come off of it, anything like that, but you can drill through it easy, everything like that. And then when we send it to heat treat, when it comes back, like, like super hard to grind, you can't put a file through it. Like a file just skates over top of it. You oh. can't drill it, anything like that. So it's, um, but what, what it does is basically, um, just having that soft steel just lets us work it really easily without eating up belts and all this other stuff. And then, and then, yeah, so we send it to heat treat, come back, we do a final hardness test on it, do a flex test, make sure everything's good. And then we start that finishing process, which is, you know, we run through the belt grinder, finishing that blade really nice and thin. We create, try and create, you know, that race car razor blade and, and then start the hand finishing process. And then, you know, you got to, put handle skills on it, any fancy mosaic work that might go into the spine or any layering that goes into it. And I mean, for custom knives, it's, it's uh, really, there's no end or, or limits to what you could do on blades. You can, this is all only what your imagination can think up. So, I mean, you can talk about like layering materials or blending them together or, you know, wild mosaic pins or different stuff. You can like work into like a finger guard, like a bolster and we can, you know, spend 10 hours on a blade or we can spend 50 hours on a blade. So it's, um, the, the custom side is really where stuff shines, but, you know, um, I, I hold my hat on that mountain series, that ultralight line that we have They're They're pretty badass blades for what they are. They're the, the caping knife is, is, a j- just a small blade. It's two and two and a half inch cutting edge on that. It's rated one ounce for the whole blade. And it's uh, it's a little razor blade that's gonna be a lot more durable than any replaceable knife you can ever buy, and it's gonna last you forever, right? Wow, that's quite the process. So now, is the process the same? I mean, uh, like you said, I guess it's uh, all depends on on what you want for a custom knife. But you know, the same build process go into each of you know the standard knives as it does for the custom. Yeah, exactly. So wow. the the only so you're you're is- like every every knife you have is handmade. Absolutely. Yeah. So there's no, there's no jigs, there's no, you know, bevel grinds and or bevel grinders, anything like that. So I'll take even our base model ultralight knife is still by hand. I'm hand grinding that checking widths and depths and everything like that, our angles to make sure everything's perfect. Like the same process goes through. The only difference with the custom knife is that, you know, those, the the finish of the blade is going to look a little bit different and 
and you know that whole prep process and the handle material process that's all going to be higher end in a custom knife but you know <laughs> every blade gets looked over by hand done everything by hand wow how many blades do you uh do you pump out a year um like this like 2021 20, we're almost close enough to the end of it what yeah we're, we're close enough to the end i, I think we're going to be at uh we're going to be pretty pretty damn close to about six or seven hundred knives this year six or seven hundred knives handmade put out yeah it's 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 been a busy year <laughs> holy shit man yeah you it's got been time pretty... for anything else no wonder you don't know <laughs> I, I hunt that's it yeah hunt. yeah i don't i'd even find time for that that's a lot like you think of every knife the pro is just the process alone like, yeah you... we we did about um i did about uh I want to say, well, we got slowed down. We had a block where we got kind of uh, postponed through our heat treatment process, put, a, put us behind by a couple months. So I think we're only going to get about um, 65 or 70 customs done this year. Um, what, what what do you mean the the heat it put you behind? Oh, that's the, the company that we use to heat treat our stuff. They... <laughs> they they use COVID as an excuse for a lot of stuff. Uh, I don't want to sit here and bash them, but you know. COVID, COVID, yeah, I know exactly what happened. You bit off more than you can chew, and now you're scrambling. Yeah, exactly. So basically, so is this something that you guys can look at, or like that you can look at doing yourself, or is it just yeah, unfeasible? We're, we're we're going to, so we just don't have the space right now in the shop right. that we're, we're that we're working in, and um, because I need to hire, I need to hire somebody else to do it. I just don't have enough arms at this point. So, um, looking into the new year, right around uh, March, April, I'm going to start hire finally starting to hire on the blade side. I I've already hired on our leather side. I have, I have a guy that um, basically works full-time helping me with the leather side. And then uh, I'm going to be hiring an apprentice here on the blade side. And then if, as soon as that apprentice works out, I just want to keep hiring and uh, try and keep up to this massive swell of orders and everything else like that. And try and keep that ball rolling. I definitely don't want to slow down in any way. Yeah. So it's, um, but I, I need more hands to mm-hmm. do the heat treating and to do, you know, all this other stuff. So it's definitely something we can do in house. It's just, it's a long process with stainless steel, stainless steel. You don't just, you know, you watch fortune fire where they heat the plate up and dunk it in oil. Well, you can't do that with stainless steel. You'll, so it's uh, right. stainless steel is a long process of soaking it and then, you know, bring it down in temperature, bring it back up in temperature, moving those molecules around in certain ways. And then, you know, and then doing a plunge in cryo, in uh, cryo where it sits there for hours cooling down and then you got to pull it out normalize it and all these other steps that go into it so mm-hmm. um so you're going to hire you're going to be hiring like an apprentice uh, kind of like you how you started off with Kim. exactly yeah so right. uh, i want to bring somebody in that the custom knives will always stay directly in my hands but you know these mounted series there's so much that goes into it for like you know hand filing all those little cutouts that are in the handle those all have to be hand filed to knock mm-hmm. the like the sharp edges off and paracord wrap them and, and, you know, all this stuff that um, somebody that wants to learn how to make knives, this is part of the process that they can jump in on and they don't need that. They don't need the the years of experience to roll into where they can just start doing that now and get their hands on knives right now. So um, we're, we're looking for, we're going to be looking for an apprentice to start helping us on that side. And then uh, we'll be hiring an apprentice on the leather side pretty much right. at the same time. And then as soon as, as soon as those apprentices kind of work their way up, then we'll just be hiring somebody else under them. Right. Right. Yeah. It's a process. 
yeah it definitely keep is. <laughs> yeah. yeah we're gonna be pushing pretty hard to um uh bring in bring in the right people like i don't yeah. I, I don't care if it costs me more on the front end but mm-hmm. i'm going to i'm going to bring in the right people i don't care if they're you know down in vancouver or, or freaking across the country it's it matters to me to have people that people that care about the product and aren't going to bail in six months when they find a higher paying job so yeah yeah is that uh have you been looking at uh, guys already? You got a couple of prospects or, or is it just something you're going to yeah. be thinking about doing in the new year? Yeah, I definitely have a couple of people in mind that I want to, that I want to bring on board. They've, um, they've expressed interest for a long mm-hmm. time. And, you know, the one, the one dude is uh, just going to know the military now in, in oh, about nice. six months. So it'll be a perfect rollout. I should be able to just, he's going to have a paid move anyways. And he's like, well, he doesn't have any fa- other family. So he's, he said, well, I'll just come live in Prince George. It sounds nice. I'm like, sure. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's one thing about, uh, about you military boys is too, at least, you know, they, you know, they're used to that structured lifestyle and, um, you know, you don't have to worry about them bailing on you or just flaking out. Um, exactly. And I mean, I, I really want to build, uh, I've talked lots about wanting to build a business, how they used to be where, you know, a guy's really proud about the company that he worked at is feels yeah. loyal to that company and then you know we treat him right on the same end right so it's um it's not going to be the standard the, the standard business plan by any means it's um we donate probably a lot more than we should we we try and <laughs> try and give back a lot more more than people say that we should but it's it's all part of it i'm not here for the bottom dollar i'm here to uh, i really want to build a community and build uh different aspects of of you know bring positivity back in the workplace and and all this other stuff that goes with it yeah well i know there's a couple companies too that they just you know they try to they try to hire veterans and and and, uh and stuff like that and it works really well for them definitely and and i mean with that i don't know i've just been a a strong advocate that you treat your guys right and you know they'll you know they'll 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 stand on stand on nails for you if you treat them right so that's really Mm -hmm. That's what our plan is and I'm looking forward to it. It'll be nice to nice to actually implement the plans that we have in place and kind of there's so many new products that I want to roll out, but I just haven't had the manpower to do. So it'll be yeah. nice to be able to start on that stuff. Yeah. Wow, that's uh that's a lot going on, man. <laughs> Try to, man. Try and keep a lot of irons in the fire at all times. Yeah. So what uh you just sell these, these just strictly sold online? Yeah, sold online. We, we are, we do have, it's kind of a little bit of a teaser, but we do have uh, one local shop that we're going to be, that we're, we've partnered with and they have their first order in. So they're going nice. to have blades in stock at their place. Uh, company that I feel really strongly about partnering with. And um, yeah, other than that, we're just, uh, we're all sold online. We're going to have a bit of a storefront personally ourselves here in Prince George. Yeah, by, you know, mid to late next year. Mm-hmm. And and you'll be able to, you should be able to come in and pick blades up. But other than that, you just got to get on those online drops or anything like that. What's the waiting list for, for like a custom knife? Do you just, do you, <laughs> one person do a knife? There's only so much you can do. Do you get to a point where you, you just tell people, you know what, I'm too busy right now. Um, check back with me in six months. Or do you just try to burn the candle at both ends and, and just make everybody <laughs> what they need? Yeah, I'm burning the candle yeah. in the middle too, about everywhere. <laughs> I had a few, yeah, I had a few. Yeah, anywhere. it's um, 
I, I try and close my books periodically, like every, um, like I'll close my books down for about two to three months every year to try and keep the the waves down. But mm-hmm. I mean, I'm still at, I, I think I'm last time I checked, uh, I'm still at about a 14 month wait list on my blades oh, wow. Yeah, for the custom side. It's, um, and 14 months is probably being, <laughs> being, uh, being good about it. I, I think, I think I'll probably be rushing to meet some of those deadlines, but that's okay. Yeah. Do you think you'll ever, uh, I, I guess it all depends, depends if you find the right guy. It's, it's hard to, uh, it's hard to trust somebody else with your name, with your name on the product. Do you think you'll ever, uh, let somebody Not else take the, over that the custom, the, the customs? No, I, I won't. Like, I mean, if, if I find the right guy and he wants to roll on customs, it'd probably be like his own signature series oh, and I stuff you, yeah. that yeah. a guy can do. But, uh, to use the frontier frontiersman name on customs that probably is going to stay to my own hand. Um, mm-hmm. Custom knives are such a, when you get down to those fine details, there's such minute details that can make such a big difference on a blade that it's, I just, I, I'm so damn picky about stuff. If I'm being honest, man, that I don't think, I don't think there's many people that would, I just, even if they built a gorgeous product, I just don't know if I could put, my name on it if i'm yeah. being completely honest like i mean yeah, no man it, um, it's tough it's tough to you know something that that you built and and you put all your sweat equity into it it's tough to you know just to hand over the keys or you know what i mean let somebody else drive it's uh you know especially with your name on it yeah it's tough and so, i mean that and it's it's something to reassess down the road because i mean it's been whatever four or five years to get me to where i'm at now mm-hmm. where i'm really happy about the blades that i'm producing so i mean maybe four or five years down the road after someone else starts and they're in the same position i'm in now you know the conversation could be a lot different yeah yeah for sure too and it comes with finding the right people and and that comes into training them properly and yeah um for sure cool i think so and and there's like i said there's so many other avenues that we want to go down and other you know portions of business and and products that we want to get into the market that are needed in the market really badly that it's, I don't know. I think I could keep an army of people busy pretty damn, pretty damn well. Yeah, I bet. I bet. So picking a custom knife, what, what's that process like? So if I wanted to go, you just go onto your webpage and you know, is there an option sheet or do you, do you get a hold of you and contact you directly and you kind of walk the person through or, or they kind of give you a sketch or how does that work? So the very first step is, yeah, you go to our website and there's a custom build form on there. So it basically just takes you through a lot of the options of, you know, everything from like pin colors and, and uh, different sheath designs and that kind of stuff. And it, ge- it gives us a broad, gives myself a broad, uh, a broad idea of kind of the direction you're going towards. And then I can, I'll basically give you a rough quote off of that build. And if you want to go ahead with it, then we'll dive into the details of um, everything from the, you know, blade shapes, mm-hmm. what you're using it for. And then we can start down that road with it. And then basically I send sketches for approval is the first thing. Or if a person's just picking one of the permanent blade shapes, because we do have some permanent shapes that are always available and guys don't right. really care about the sketching of it. So they'll just say, oh, I really like that blade shape, but I want this, this, and that, uh-huh. then I can definitely change. I'll just, I, I can just do that for them. And um, yeah, basically you'll get pictures and you'll pick your own handle material, like right off of a, uh, basically a pick list. 
I'll send you an updated photo of it. You'll say, oh, I like that block, you know, number two block there. That's the one that I want. I'll put your name on it. And then, uh, yeah, we basically just any, uh, our custom blades, I feel really strongly that it should be totally custom process. So anything that you want changed on that, it's yours. So it's, you know, if you, if you want, whatever different handle liner material or I, I actually I like I like more finger swell in there you know or mm-hmm. I know guys are like oh, I got really short hands so long handle doesn't fit right in me like those are all those changes yeah. that a custom knife builds in that yeah it's, for sure it, it's yeah. a difference and it, it makes yeah. a big difference when you're using that knife for sure oh absolutely I mean you know like any knife you buy I mean it all depends I mean some people have bananas for hands right so um it's uh yeah you need a uh, you need to custom stuff for sure cool definitely and Very i mean cool. and, and all the higher end stuff like when you're looking at stuff like uh mammoth ivory or walrus tusk and all this stuff there's just there's no way that i can um mass i don't want to say mass produce but like yeah do those yeah. semi-production batches that are still affordable right because then you would be looking at semi-production knives that are worth you know six seven hundred bucks and just doesn't make any sense right yeah so that that's for the handle yeah for the handle yeah Yeah. we've got everything from you know exotic stabilized woods from around the world to you know we've got australian water buffalo lots of ram's horn that we cut up Mm -hmm. um got walrus tusk narwhal warthog there's hippo tusk we've got or hippo tooth we've got basically anything except for basically every anything except for elephant or rhino we can get it or we have it yeah you must uh, make those uh, sheep guys just cringe when, when you're cutting up those uh, ram horns <laughs> <laughs> i love doing it it's uh i'm bad for that i like teasing them way too much yeah it's it it's pretty crazy but like you know cutting up uh i've got a ram sitting on the bandsaw right now the next one i have to cut up and it's like a i don't know he's broomed on the one side but he's like 41 and a half inches on the other side. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just like, it's, it's funny, man. It's, uh, no doubt. but I mean, you know, that's, uh, that's all part of it. That's yeah. How we so get could anybody like, if, if I wanted to make a custom knife and I had, uh, you know, say a, a horn or, or an antler or something I shot for myself, could I send it to you? And could you make a handle out of that? Absolutely. Yeah. Cool. So it's, some materials need stabilizing so then mm-hmm. what i'll basically do is i'll cut them into a block and i'll send them down into the states to uh this knife and gun supply place that stabilizes them and sometimes that needs to happen not often but um sometimes it does need to happen if not you know it's i'll just you know cut it up and and uh, naturalize it and then basically just let it settle and then i'll roll it onto knives yeah that'd be sick eh yeah, yeah, guys like doing that with like, they'll pick up, um, like I did a project last year where a guy picked up a huge shed. It was like a freaking, I don't know. It would have been like a 190 class mule deer and he just had the one side shed off of it. And he was like, Hey, you know, like, um, and this is kind of shit that I love where he's like, uh, my dad hunted here growing up. I hunted it. And now my cousins hunted it. Like we all hunted together. He's like, can you make us like four knives all out of it? So yeah, perfect. Like that's the projects that are super cool to me that I like doing has some personality, has a lot of meaning to it. Yeah, that's a nice shed. Oh yeah, it was <laughs> it was huge. It was good. Like man, and the wild this stuff gets sent to me. Like I've got, I just had a guy send a. I'll send you. Uh, 
I'll send you some pictures on Instagram later, but I had a guy send like a, a 320 inch elk and he just like massive full on the skull plate, everything. And he's like, yeah, can you cut it up and do some handles for me? I'm like, sure, man, like <laughs> whatever you want. Yeah. Hey, um, my buddy here in, in Kelowna, he, he's got uh, boom taxidermy and he, uh, he called me and he knows I'm a muley freak. Eh? So he calls me and he's like, man, you gotta, you gotta check out this muley, this this guy had uh, one of his dad's muleys he shot in he said region eight and uh, it's been sitting down in his base. His dad passed away, I guess in the nineties or something, but his dad shot this muley in. Um, he shot it in the eighties, I believe. And uh, he's, this, this guy had no idea about, he's not a hunter, so he has no idea about, you know, size or anything. And, but uh, anyway, this, you know, the, the coat on it, the fur, it's the hides getting, you know, it's, it's falling off and it's pretty shaggy looking. So he takes it over to Darcy and he, he wants to get him to, uh, to redo it. And so he sends me this picture of this muley, man, I'll send you this picture of this muley. It's uh man, it's, it's, uh it's crazy. Like I'm talking like, Oh, here, I'm going to send it to you right now. You got to see this thing. Yeah. I sent it to you over there, man. It's uh same thing, right? Like this guy, you know, just random, like giant muley. And it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing. Um, but yeah, oh, anyway. yeah. did you see that thing? <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I think I had it sitting down in this basement. I mean, that's like, you know, that's a record class Alberta buck or Saskatchewan muley, man. So just sitting down in this, yeah, it's, I'd like, I told Darcy to score it, but he said he, he wasn't going to. Oh, really? Yeah. I should go over uh, there and score it. I don't know. <laughs> it's over 200 easy. It's you. Yeah, definitely. That's, that's crazy, man. Like it's, uh, it's, it's wild what some people, I don't want to say don't see the value in, but um, they just don't even know what they have. Oh yeah. And especially coming from like, 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 dude, I'm a total trophy hunter. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I'm a horn hunter. You know, like the other day when, when we were texting back and forth and, um, you know, I was in the blind, I, I passed up on, you know, four by four. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like everything I, sh I shoot, I harvest the meat comes home with me every ounce. You know what I mean? My freezer is full of deer meat and elk meat and, um, you know, bear meat. Um, so, I mean, everything comes home, but you know, I'm constantly passing over, um, you know, shootable animals, just looking for, for the bigger one. It's a curse. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. We, we, we don't use that term or like that term has such a bad, I don't know. It's put such a bad taste in people's mouth now about being a trophy hunter, but I mean, yeah, you know, yeah, it, it does, but you know, whatever. Fuck them. Um, <laughs> no, you know, you know I, mean? like I totally agree. Yeah. I, I, you know, um, I hunt those things for myself and nobody else. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it has that word's been bastardized. It's, you know, the anti hunters used it as, and they kind of just took it. And um, unfortunately, in the hunting industry, I mean, in the public space, you know, yeah, sure, maybe we, we can't use that. But I mean, anybody listening to this podcast is, you know, they're killing shit too. So um, definitely. Yeah. And I mean, exactly. I'm in the same boat as you. Like, I'm, I'm chasing that big big horn like big rack yeah. and everything like that i'm not a poacher i'm not gonna leave anything behind but it's uh yeah i, I want big stuff on the wall absolutely yeah man always yeah and it, and it's you know for me it's i mean don't like i said you know the you know we don't we don't buy you know beef we don't buy anything we just eat uh we eat what i bring home um not so much my wife um 
she likes those watered down store-bought chickens but uh <laughs> um but yeah you know what i mean like uh, you know yeah. um, so nothing's going to waste but uh yeah i just i like those things on i like my dead shit on the wall i like seeing those those deer and those elk and the goats and sheep and i like looking at them and saying you know what it's uh i remember that hunt and um yeah so uh, if they don't like it fuck off definitely no i'm in the same boat man i'm with you on that yeah so do you did uh you get any hunting in this year with all the with all the orders and your crazy lifestyle yeah definitely it's uh i don't care how busy my business is i'm never gonna i'm never gonna miss it i think i think i'd go stir crazy if i did Oh man me too me too like yeah. i soon and you know the guys working for me they know because like i spend way too much time in the bush hunting way too much time like and i can see it you know and it affects my business it affects life at home it just you know there's repercussions to it but i just i i can't help it i it's a it's a curse like last night i was saying you know i was talking to my wife about it and i was like man i just i wish i could just not do it but i can't i just i can't <laughs> if there's an if it's like right now it's open for white-tailed deer till december 20th i'll i'll pass up on on deer every day up until december 20th looking for that right that right white tail every yeah. day and i'll be out there if it takes it i'll be out there almost every day until until that happens so no definitely like i mean i i didn't hunt at all in november and already it's like so it's only been a month off from hunting and i'm like now i'm sitting there looking at the regs going what could i go hunting yeah, now yeah what's open I, oh man, yeah I constantly where's open yeah yeah it's where can so i go it's, where can... it's good and we i i'm a i'm pretty a pretty damn obsessed with elk so uh yeah. opener i'm always i'm always up hunting elk and chasing it with my girlfriend my that's a big push the last couple of years i've been trying to get her on bulls and nice. just you know she has bad luck in the bush man you want to talk about someone with bad luck it's just like <laughs> fucking bad luck for her but um lots of encounters but just haven't got her to connect on one yet so was out pushing hard to get her on a bull and then i passed on a bull uh the first first animal that, or first elk i've ever passed on i did on the 4th of september which i don't, I don't regret but you know, it's the most grown up thing I've ever done in my life. It's um, so I, I did that on the fourth and then went back out chasing that, uh, chasing that same kind of area, trying to find, uh, trying to get him closer in a more accessible spot. Never did. And then went up, we went up north and connected on a couple of caribou. Nice. And then, yeah, it was great. It's lots of fun. Like and BC? then, yeah, northern BC. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah, so that was good. That was good. We got two caribou out of there in four days and then came back and started doing some deer hunting and then just quickly realized while we were kind of out hunting deer, I was like, oh my God, I, I've been gone most of September, like big portion of October. And I was like seeing my order list just like piling up and I'm like, okay, mm -hmm. I, I better not chase deer this year <laughs> if I want to go chase, like I always try and chase cougars and I was like, okay, I got to yeah. either chase deer, or chase cougars. So I was like, I want to go chase cats. So I was kind of, I was like, oh, okay, this is the last day, last day that I should really hunt. So I just shot a meat buck on that last oh, nice. day and yeah, whatever, it's white tails. So, I mean, they're, they need to eradicate them up North anyways. So it's, yeah. um, I basically just uh, took a buck there on the last day and I was like, okay, that's good. Uh, my season set until cat season. So, yeah. Yeah. I took uh, I got a cougar last year. First cougar. Okay, good. 
fuck took me like 29 days to get it and i i got lucky it was uh it was on a fresh kill so okay. i knew he was in the area and yeah basically just oh. tracked him down till i till i seen him up in a tree like on foot you did that yeah oh yeah. jesus man that's a hard way to do it <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> holy shit yeah, yeah. it's that's uh a- it was uh and fuck man you know um i didn't realize how far back i was like yeah i didn't really like because you know when you're tracking shit you never realize how far back like you never realize how far you've really gone because you're not paying attention to it you're just going mm-hmm. and yeah dragging that thing out i was like fuck me <laughs> <laughs> how much farther are we there yet yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. yeah. and it's yeah. like you know what i mean and it's well it's not too bad the days are, by that time the days are getting a little longer but um yeah it's uh it's still but I'll be doing it again this year. This year, man, we've had a we've had a huge problem with wolves lately, and um, and uh, yeah. So this year, I think I'm going to try to get after some wolves. Nice, that's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, uh, go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say that that chasing cats on foot thing—that's something I've never done. But it's I can only imagine how tough that is. Like, I mean, we roll with dogs. I've got two good buddies that have dogs down south, and um yeah i can't imagine doing it just there's a lot of cats down in this there's a lot of cats down in uh down in this area lots okay lots of cats we gotta get get them on my trail cameras we see them um we see a lot of them in the summertime um just down by the water um late at you know late evening uh we see them down there but oh interesting yeah yeah. but lately the it's gonna be interesting because the wolves uh there's been a lot of wolves in the region i hunt down here in region eight um uh so i don't know it's gonna be gonna be interesting but this year i'm gonna try to uh try to take some wolves out i uh this year i i was just hunting with my uh my bull all year but i think i'm gonna have to pull the rifle out for for chasing uh for hunting wolves oh that's good that'll be fun yeah speaking of that tell me a little bit about this archery shoot um so is it a go is it a go or is it still it, in the works yeah it, it's not a go yet this year sadly it's um i think we're gonna have to actually pull the pin on it for this year right uh, which is super unfortunate I, this year being 2022 uh, right yeah, yeah yeah 2022 it's super unfortunate it's one of the biggest things i was looking forward to and one of the biggest projects i've been working on and it's it's super super unfortunate to do i just we've already lost the deposit the ski hill once there that we were going to use and um due to covid cancellations like just with the regulations and everything and now mm-hmm. we just you know it just had a chat with uh chat with mrs there and it was like okay look we can't afford well a we can't afford to keep losing deposits and stuff um and and b it's just if they keep if they add more regulations and then they add them and then they take them away and they add them and they take them away. And it's like, well, if they add them again and we're in the same position now we're refunding tickets and everything like that. So we really like it. It's unfortunate. And, you know, uh, I get that there's ways around it, but we're going to just hold off until borders are good and borders Mm -hmm. are open and, and these restrictions pull off because we've got companies that, are interested that are going to be coming up from the States and a lot of different stuff like that. And we've got a lot of people traveling up. So it's a lot of these companies, especially down in the States, um, they, they have no intentions of 
traveling across that border or getting vaccinations. So it's just, it's not, not, uh, it's not in the books right now, which is super shitty. It's super disappointing for myself, but, um, yeah, it's one of those things too, though. You know what I mean? If you're going to do it, you got to do it right. Like you don't want to fuck around and do it half-assed. Uh, you're better off. I mean, even if you got to wait till 2024, you know, you're better off just to, uh, it's better off just to be done. Right. Um, Exactly. So, and, yeah. and the groundwork's been done now, which is good. And the foundation's in place. So um, just so people have an idea what it is going to look like when it does roll is basically we're going to have, uh, we're going to have a ski hill. It'll be a three day, three day event, two days of shooting. Um, we're going to have a vendor experience. So lots of vendors out front, we're going to have food trucks and, and uh, um, uh, beer gardens. And mm-hmm. we're going to have some cool stuff going on, like a youth archery range, Nice. And a bunch, bunch of small events that we want to do to entertain the whole family, really make mm-hmm. it a whole family event. Uh, same, same thing as a carnival or anything like that, right? So just an outdoor industry instead. And then the shooting side is basically going to be uh, two stages of shooting. So we're going to be split into two groups. One starts on basically day one stuff. And once guys starts on the other stuff and they just basically flip flop the next day. And there's going to be... Um, there's going to be about 20 stages. Each stage is going to have two targets at it, uh, a long, long target. And then, you know, a shorter target for people that are just starting out or kids or anything like that. Like we really want to push the family side of it. So we're going to have it where it is accessible for kids to be able to come and do, and they'll have that, you know, sub 20 target in mm-hmm. front of them. And then there'll be some longer, funner stuff. And we're going to do some, um, we're going to do, we are going to do some, competition targets but in general the whole range itself is there's no competition that goes along with it it's just a you know any other 3d shoot where it's pay to pay to come and have some fun and and uh basically the ski lift will take you up and down you work or sorry ski lift will take you up and you work your way down basically walk your way down as you're as you're shooting so you are going to have to be half ass physically fit to be able to do this but it's going to be, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be super that'd be, interactive. That'd be sick, man. Yeah. We, we really just, uh, I, I push so hard in this community side. Like I've said already that I just I'm looking at every avenue possible to bring this community together. And, you know, there's so much infighting here that we do and so much fighting that we do with, you know, small other small businesses or like, I know people in the, in the freaking back, backcountry hunt hiking side that hate hunters and hi- hunters that hate them or ski tours or all this stuff and it's like oh, i don't know like let's all get together here like put your freaking gloves down and and let's chat so um we're just looking for different ways to do that and this is gonna be a fun one where where we can bring out a lot of different people uh we want to bring in you know bring in some veterans to do some shooting stuff there also bring in you know some bigger personalities yeah in the in the industry that can kind of make a voice and, you know, not, not the sellouts, but the people that actually are doing the right thing and bring them Mm -hmm. in and the right companies. And it's going to be a lot of fun, man. I'm really excited for when it does roll. Yeah. Do you guys have a venue in mind? Uh, We do. We've been looking at a couple big white is the biggest one that we want to secure. Yeah. So nice. That's my stomping grounds. Well, it's my back door, I guess. It's close. It's a nice central location. Um, Yeah. And a nice thing about, um, you know the weather i mean for the most part as long as there's, there's no smoke um, exactly sh- the weather should be good exactly so we we took a lot of a lot of deliberation about where we wanted to do it it will be in that area whether it's actually at big white itself yeah um 
will be a different discussion for when it does happen. Very yeah, likely you, will be. You know, the cool thing about Big White is, I mean, there's a lot of campgrounds around. So, if, you know, if folks want to bring up a, a trailer. I mean, you know, there's one, two, three campsites while Arlington two is just down the road. So, I mean, there's tons of campsites available f- for guys. And yeah, Exactly. Cool. And it's got the parking space that can accommodate mm-hmm. the amount of people that we want to bring in. And we want to, we do want to make it also accessible, right? So, I mean, yeah. we want to have you know, really cheap camping and camping options. And then we're going to have some shuttle bus options. And yeah. Right. Yeah. When they have all that available too. Um, I mean, there's hotels up there. There's everything. Exactly. So yeah, I mean, yeah, it's a win-win. And, Dude, that'd and it be works sick. great. And it works great because I mean, and then those people that maybe their wife just wants to come for that. Oh, oh so I, I kind of, I left out at the end of the shoot at the very end of it, there's going to be a huge, like a pit roast barbecue style, nice. like meet and greet um yeah. whole whole uh event going on and live music and everything like that so um you know it, it's really something that i want the wife and the kids to come to and they can you know whether they go shopping down in Kelowna and spend a couple of days at the beach and then come out for that last day um it's something something i really want to do where there's nobody that doesn't feel welcome everybody has something to do have something at their skill range and and their price range right yeah no dude that'd be sick if you need a hand just let me know i'm uh yeah i'm in that's cool i appreciate that yeah it's been you know it it, we've seen nothing but like positive side of it which just shows that we're on the right path and i'm really stoked about that because man anybody you talk to is like exactly like you just said they're like oh that's so awesome like let's do it what do you need help with and it's just like this is so needed right now in this industry. oh yeah man it is definitely and and like we don't have enough of them up here man like i talked to the guys that let ourselves to the border and they they're doing shit like that all the time you know what i mean like all the time they got there's always something going on so we need exactly and you know there are some shoots up here but they're competitive or they're you got to be a member of a certain range Mm -hmm. and it's just like uh yeah and you know that's the thing too is it's it's not all about going out and being competitive and winning it's just the camaraderie it's about going out meeting people just having a good time yeah yeah cool man Okay, man. Uh, where can everybody find you and pick up? Uh, well, um, fill out your form for some custom knives. Do you have any yeah. in stock that people could pick up if they want? No, we're we're all flush out right now. Those um, just so you can find us at www.frontiersmangear.ca or uh, frontiersmangear on on social media, and that's where if you sign up for an email list or else watch us on social media, you'll see when we have drops coming out. The knife drops sell out pretty dang quick, but um, uh, just keep an eye out there. And if you're on the email list, you do get first crack at any blades that do become available and in stock. And and then, you know, we try and do some fun stuff with like special different edition stuff or we'll do the odd custom knife and raffle it off. So there are options for other people to get blades. Um, and then just reach out. You never know. Like sometimes we have uh, overstock or something mm-hmm. happens where I actually make a couple extra couple extra blades so um never never hurts to ask no it never hurts to ask and and uh yeah so frontiersmangear.ca or frontiersmangear on social media okay buddy let's do this again sometime absolutely i appreciate it okay man thanks eh? thanks later okay topo maps plus is one of the world's leading backcountry navigation apps turning your phone into a fully functional gps unit 
Backroads Maps Books is proud to offer maps as an in-app purchase for Topo Maps. This makes it super easy to download mobile apps for offline use. This way you can get accurate and reliable GPS tracking and navigation while out of cell and data service. With Topo Maps Plus, you can view your location on the map, add waypoints, trace new routes, measure distance and elevation, change and share your tracks with your friends, you know, once you're back in service. Never get lost with Backroads Maps. Every once in a while, it's fun to go with like just full-blown redneck on these fish. This is like high-tech cane pole fishing right here. From the white sandy beaches to the crystal blue waters, enjoy the best fishing Panama City Beach has to offer during Chase in the Sun, Sundays at 9.30 a.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. go out there and the fish are where you think they are, any one of these casts could be the bite. It's the most exciting fishing that I know right here at Hawks Cave. Oh, that's awesome. Experience the best saltwater fishing the world has to offer. Don't miss Thursdays with Saltwater Experience, brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts, every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.